Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 289. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Doing pretty well. Nice. Yeah. Recording early. This is a, this is pretty early. It is. A lot, a lot earlier than we normally do. Surprisingly, so, I feel pretty awake. I think my brain will work. I've but been we'll, up for we'll have like, to see. Yeah, I'm fully awake. I've been up for like four hours. Damn. Yeah. I know. I'm like a responsible adult. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't been up. I haven't been up quite that long, but long enough to feel like awake. Yeah, I feel like I'm ready to go. Dude. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Corley Farjah's Revenge, along with some of what we've been watching on the watch list and previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Remember, you can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net anytime. We love to hear from you. Just one bit of housekeeping this week. Uh, Our new Film Pulse Selects title is up and available. You can watch that on the website, filmpulse.net. It's right on the homepage there. You can watch it on our Vimeo channel. Uh, And if you want to subscribe to our Vimeo channel, then keep, keep up to date on all of that stuff. That would be great. Or you can watch it on our YouTube channel. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel, maybe. We don't... It's not monetized, so, you know, it's it's not like we're getting anything out of that one. This week's title is Tory Pope's Swamp Women Kissing Booth. It's sort of this, uh, it's a comedy that's sort of a throwback to 60s television and how, like, goofy 60s television was. She says that The Monkees was a sort of an inspiration for this short film. So, very interesting. Might want to check it out. Uh, definitely worth a look. And that's all I got for housekeeping. All right. Let's just dive right into our review. Revenge. As I said, this is written and directed by Corley Farja. I have a synopsis here. Never take your mistress on an annual guy's getaway, especially one devoted to hunting. A violent lesson for three wealthy married men. Now, Mm -hmm. I talked about this before on the show. I have a written review up. So, Kevin, we'll start it with you. What did you think of Revenge? Um, I loved when when all of this kind of kicks off with what happens to her, her injury. Because, like, just the way that it signified or just kind of screamed out to you that, like, this movie is ridiculously over the top because I kept, I kept wondering, like, you know, how is this, how is this going to come about? Like what, how is she going to be like stranded in the desert and hunting these guys down to get revenge? Like what, what's, what's going to happen. And when that happens, it's just like, Oh, okay. This movie's just ridiculous. Okay. This is, yeah. this is kind of crazy. We're going over the top with this movie, <laughs> big time. Because when that happened, I mean, my of course the the logic kind of overtook for like a split second, and was just like, well, the movie's over. Like, just how this doesn't make any sense. And then I kind of had to tell that that part of my brain to just shut the fuck up. So let's get into it. Let's back up a little bit. As I said in the synopsis, there's this uh, this girl, American girl, and she is going to this this weekend getaway at this. I want to say a hunting lodge, but it's it's more like a hunting mansion, not a. It's like this summer home. Yeah, for this for this rich guy. It's a ridiculously modern. Yeah. It's just out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. I think it's actually in Morocco, if I'm not mistaken, where they are. But um, so she, she goes with him. She's the mistress. He, These guys are French. And it's some really horrible things happen to her involving one of the friends. So... This guy has two friends coming for this for this uh, hunting trip, and they come 
early and so they end, they end up partying and one of the friends does something absolutely awful to her and they end up the, their response is to end up doing something even worse to her and leaving her for dead out in the desert and uh I don't I don't want to give away what happens to her because I think that is kind of the first really shocking moment like the 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 assault that occurs that's expected like you know that that, that that's going to be something you have to deal with going into this movie but yeah. the uh <clears throat> the way in in which they try to get rid of her I think is definitely yeah, one of the one of the I first did. big shocking moments. Yeah, I did not see that coming at all. I did not know that that was going to be part of this this film. But like you said, the the, the initial assault, you know, going in that that's going to happen. You kind of and the way in which she kind of sets that up, like there, there's a because you know it's coming, and just the shift, you kind of have a guess who it's going to be from the start because he kind of gives off those vibes. And yeah. the way that it just it goes downhill and it kind of escalates and it's just there's a lot of tension there. Even though that you know it's going to happen, the way it's kind of like stretched out, which I thought was done rather well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's like there's two very distinct sides to this movie. There's everything that happens before the assault and everything that happens after. Uh, the the thing that I, one of the things that I found most interesting is how the sort of the perspective changes. Everything with it, everything in this movie changes after that, after the assault and subsequent leaving for dead. the The camera angles change. I don't know if you noticed that, but the 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 whole tone of the film feels very different mm-hmm. in the the beginning portions. Uh, everything is sort of overly sexualized. Like they show there's a lot of like tracking shots of her butt and she's wearing this like very revealing clothing and she's sort of, it's sort of presented from a male gaze perspective where she's just this sort of object. Mm -hmm. And after the assault takes place, everything, even though for most of the movie, she has very little clothing on it's not presented in sort of this overtly sexualized manner. And I thought that that was one of the most interesting visual aspects of the movie. I really loved all of the, all the cinematography in this movie I thought was really, really great and really well done. Yeah. They do do some great things. I thought I was actually, because going in, you know the what you're expecting to happen, which I'm not a fan of in films. And the way that they cut that, I thought was pretty exceptional. Yeah, um, especially because while this is happening, the other friend gets involved. Like he walks in sort of at the beginnings of it and let's it go like he just he he goes out into the living room and just the that scene of him going out and for, first of all him eating that was he eating like a candy bar or something it was like chocolate covered marshmallow bites or something yeah and they they show that then him going out into the living room and just turning up the volume on the tv as this is happening uh it just it was it just packed a bigger punch, you know, doing just having that take place. But then him going outside to just swim some laps. Yep. Just swimming laps. I just I, I I mean I did think that at certain points throughout this movie, I think it it gets a little bit it strays a little bit too much and kind of just goes for this uh like the the music video vibe, which yeah. that was that was something that would, I found kind of tedious. One other little thing that I liked was the the apple, like them going back to the apple over and over again, and like the ants going to the apple and just really focusing on that apple, that half eaten apple, and the yeah. ants 
devouring that apple. Those goddamn fire ants. Yeah, I will agree with you that it does often have this sort of music video vibe to it. A lot of it is very overstylized. Yeah, uh, which, which, I, which I'm not a, necessarily against. It just it felt a lot of times like uh, the way in which these these scenes would come about. It just kind of threw off the pace to it. It just kind of felt like stalling. Yeah, um, I, I will agree with that to a, to a certain extent. Um, the the only time that I really felt that was so after she gets out of the 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 situation she's in in the desert, she's sort of um, patching up her wounds. She finds this cave to take shelter in, and she's sort of patching herself up and trying to stop the bleeding that's occurring and. There's this whole scene where she she has she ends up getting a beer can and she ends up patching her wounds by putting the the, the folding out the beer can and sort of using that to cauterize her wounds and like that whole just that whole sequence was so over the top with like the like the the, the phoenix rising you know mm-hmm. well, uh, yeah uh, that that she branded herself with that. Um, unintentionally it it happens in the midst of a drug trip right you have the drug trip thing going on plus all this which was one of the things that i did kind of like about this movie or i found really interesting with that initial like what happens what transpires to leave her for dead in the desert and then everything from there it felt like because I've, I've noticed reading some reviews that a lot of people think this movie's bullshit and just like pick it apart because, you know, she's a woman. And it, <laughs> what, what, what assholes are you reading? I was just, no, I'm just like uh, reading like bad, like one star reviews. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, always yeah. like, why, why? Like, it's not, it's not a terrible movie. I don't think it's like this masterpiece or anything, but it's definitely not a one star movie to me. And of course, that was pretty much everything that I was reading was, you know, oh, she couldn't do that. Oh, that's not how this works. You know, picking apart all the the reasoning and the logic behind everything, which it did kind of feel like that was on purpose, where it was like, you know what? She gets to be over the top and do all these things that make absolutely no sense and could not happen whatsoever. But who fucking cares? Right. I mean, like you said, they throw logic out the door very quickly in, in the film. Like they, they let you know, this is not going to be a logical yeah. movie. This yeah. is, this is like, this is like, uh, like Frank Castle and the Punisher when he gets shot 25 times that's, and that's like dies I mean. and then comes back to life. You that's know, what this, I mean. This, like, this is like a superhero movie. That's what, that's what's happening here. Yeah. That's what I mean is like male characters get to do this all the time. And no one picks apart that shit and gives it a one-star review because it's like, there's no fucking way that could happen. Like, you're just like, oh, it's so badass. But really, this it harkens back to the the rape revenge subgenre that we saw, you know, a lot of in the 70s and early 80s. It's like I spit on your grave or thriller, where these movies have a very similar plot. Somebody is, you know, savaged by these men and left for dead and something inside of them wakes up and brings them back for revenge. Like it's, this isn't a new concept in movies. So for people to sit there and try to pick apart the logic to me is ridiculous. And I feel like they're missing the point. The point is that this is going back to it's, a subgenre that has been previously dominated by men, and it's putting a female spin on that subgenre, which to me, watching this movie, and I've seen a lot of these rape revenge movies, to me, this is the best example of this subgenre that you can create. Yeah, and also it's 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 fantasy. Like it, it pretty much, it, like you said, it t- it tells you right off the bat. Not only does it throw logic out the window, but it also it's like this is this is fantasy. 
we're just we're gonna do whatever. We're gonna cauterize wounds with with beer cans, and yeah. it's gonna leave a mark from the beer can. <laughs> we're not gonna talk about how she did the the entry wound. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. I I I can sort of understand why people would have a hard time with accepting the logic. I remember I I saw this uh I saw this in the theater and the it was at a press screening and the um the something happened the power went out. I saw it at the IFC center and the power went out. It was it was raining and when the power went out obviously the movie stopped and some of the other film journalists in the in the crowd with me I could hear them because there's only like four other people in there and they were just they were talking about they're like oh this movie has so many plot holes yeah we, we didn't even get to see the whole thing it's just so there's just so many plot holes in this like she would have bled out like she would have she would have bled out <laughs> and it's like was. no shit dude what are you, are you kidding me <laughs> did you did you did you see how she got off that that thing that she was on like that wouldn't work. Of course not. It's that's not the point. That's not the point of what we're watching. Well, and that's what I that's what I kind of like about it is usually when you have issues with um like plot holes or logic or anything is there's this like escalation to it where it kind of starts off with like small little things and then it just keeps progressively getting worse and you're just like, well, okay, this is just ridiculous. But you're so far into the movie. This one, it's just like, it happens pretty early on that just, and it's big. Like it is ridiculously big that it's just like, hey, from this point on, do not expect logic and reason. Like we're not here for that shit. This is pure fantasy. And I, come to terms with it. And I want to be clear. It doesn't go. It's not like ridiculous levels. It's not like. Um, I'm trying to. I can't think of a good example right now. But I mean, it's it doesn't go so far off the edge that you're just like, okay, you know, eye rolling yeah. moments. It, it keeps it reined in a a bit. It's just it's it's like. Uh, she wouldn't have survived. I mean, it's it's just that she wouldn't. Have no, survived. yeah, it, it's and over they, the top enough that it can just it can be fun, but you can still you can still yeah. enjoy yourself. And there's also uh, a fun bit at the end where there's just like a human being does not have that much blood. Oh my god! The uh, <laughs> yeah that 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 modern house that we were referring to <laughs> at the beginning. Like that whole house is just covered floor to ceiling with blood. There is so much. I think that that's a a good thing to to mention is that this movie is violent. Holy shit. Is this movie violent? Oh my God. Uh, Really intense violence. A lot of um, what I would call penetrating violence. There's a lot of uh, penetration happening in this movie. Things yeah. being stabbed and things being put inside of other things, and I'm sure that that's that was very all, intentional. Oh yeah, and it's all extremely exaggerated. Yeah, know? like I don't think that that much damage would happen to your foot. Oh no, no, no! I was talking and the, to <laughs> the way they just they stay on it for such a long. Oh my time. god, that that scene was so intense. The I was talking to to Blake, uh, one of the the writers on our on our site, and he loved the movie too. And he was just we were talking about just how much we liked it and everything. And he was talking about that that one specific scene because he's like, oh, I get I get a little squeamish when it comes to. Um, like wounds and stuff like that. And he's like, that one, he's like, I almost had to look away from, from the screen because it was just, it was so intense. It was just too much. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that scene is, if you get squeamish over blood and open wounds and things like that, this movie, you're going to probably have a hard time with this movie. That's what I was thinking with you because um, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, putting words in your mouth, that you, you, with the sort of really extreme levels of violence, 
you tend to have a hard time with that as well. A little bit, yeah. But like I said, here it's kind of it's kind of it's exaggerated to a point that it it doesn't bother me as much. I mean, that was that was a little bit difficult to watch. I will, yeah. I mean, I think that scene would make anybody squirm. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Like, I don't, I don't think, because it, it's, it is, it is sort of farcical, but at the same time, it looks real enough that you can yeah. suspend your disbelief and just feel what he's feeling in that moment. Well, then also too, like you said, with it being farcical, is you do every time this guy um, gets injured in some way, he has this like howling cry type thing that he does which is really funny because he's such a baby yeah and plus when it comes to everything (laughs) he's such a piece of shit you already hate him so anytime something bad happens to him you're just you love it it's just you get this feeling of ah like he's getting his he's getting his comeuppance this piece of shit is getting his comeuppance and for people that like that style of revenge movies i mean the movie's called revenge and there is a lot of revenge to be had you will not be disappointed with the amount of revenge that takes place in this movie for sure yeah and then the flip it too at the end which i i wish they would have she would have taken a little bit further but the way she does flip it at the end where the the one guy is naked for the rest of it yeah but it, it didn't really seem like she turned him into an object like it, it seemed like it was trying to be a mirror of the the beginning, but I don't think it was. It was fully successful. In I that. thought I thought she did the best she could within the parameters of the narrative. Like I don't, I don't know what she would have done differently. Maybe raped him. She could rape no, that guy at the end. Maybe just no, a, I don't. That that probably that would have been way too much. That would have been way too much. Yeah. Uh. But uh, yeah, I I thought it was it was just fantastic. This is a this is a debut too. Which yeah, this is it's pretty uh, it's pretty accomplished for a debut. The only thing I like, and I think for me, I didn't love it. I enjoyed it. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't like overly impressed by it and just completely in love with it, but. I will say that it was it was pretty good for what it is. Yeah. Now this is on VOD right now and it playing in in uh select cities. It will be on Shutter, so if you have a, sh- a Shutter subscription, it will be there later this year. I don't know if they have an actual date, but it is a Shutter film. So it's interesting. This is one of the few, maybe the first that is a Shutter film, but it's not premiering on shutter like they okay. they actually put it out in theaters first then it's going to be on shutter sort of like what amazon does with their with their stuff so i think i think that's a smart idea i would i think seeing this in a theater in a crowded theater is the best way to see it just because you get that that audience participation when those really crazy things happen yeah I think it's that's definitely the the way that this was meant to be seen. I ended up watching it several times because, as I said, the, when the power went out, they couldn't get it back on. So I ended up leaving, and it was in like the final. It was near the uh-huh. end of it was like the, in, the, the I'd say the beginning of the final act. It was it was right after. I think it was shortly after the foot scene. And it was so it was like during on that that sequence where they're on the country road and like she's sort of hunting him. Oh, yeah. It was during it was during that sequence that it went off. So, I mean, we were we were pretty deep into the movie by that point. Yeah. And fortunately, IFC was very kind and sent me a screener. So I was able to finish it. But I ended up just rewatching the whole thing from the beginning just so I could have the full. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to like stop it and then resume it because I knew I was writing a review for it, and I didn't. I, I just wanted to make sure I had the whole package. Yes. But anyway, I I did love it. I thought I thought it was it was a uh, fantastic, it, difficult to watch. I think for some people certainly, but 
Um, the the music was another thing I really liked. I liked all the all the music in it as well. I figured you would. Oh yeah, it's got this kind of eighties. Is this this is like eighties style synth soundtrack? Interesting choice to to mix up the the French and English too. Uh, a lot of the film is actually in French. Yeah, which was got it. It caught me off guard right at the beat because I didn't know that. Like when yeah. I first sitting there talking in French, I'm like, oh, it's French movie. Okay. Yeah, in sort of an interesting choice. I also like that. Almost all of the movie is completely bathed in sunlight. Like there's very little darkness in this movie. Just hot. Hot and bright. You can feel it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of like oversaturation happening. I would have also liked the point we didn't we didn't say it, but uh the, there's uh there's a great head explosion. And I always love a good head explosion. There is a great head explosion. I thought the effects work was really well done. Uh, Except for that initial one. <laughs> that looked really bad. Just the the falling. Yeah. That looked awful. I didn't think it was... Yeah, it wasn't Every, great. But Everything else from there was... I thought was okay. The head explosion was pretty great. Because, again, it's just so exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, very intense. <laughs> It's like a, it was like a balloon, just filled with blood. <laughs> it, was like the, <laughs> it was like the scene in Scanners. <laughs> just, but the the that blood was just a lot wetter. Very wet. Yeah, it's a very wet movie. Indeed. Even though it's interesting, it's an interesting juxtaposition. You're in the dry desert, and there's just it's just a lot of wet, a lot blood. of fluids, a lot of a lot of bloated fluids everywhere there is a i do like the moratorium on the whole maggot thing i don't think we need to do that when we're doing fast cuts you know and it's like oh it's unsettling and it's disturbing like stop cutting in maggots there's no need for cutting in maggots it's an easy gross out yeah we can move with the maggots come on let's think of something else there's grosser things out there yeah i guess so all right I gave this an 8 out of 10. Kevin, what are you going to give it? Ooh, I'm going to give it like a 6.5. Maybe a seven. I might inch towards a 7. It's one that... In, uh, in that area. I think it's one that definitely aged well. Like It's it's one I feel like I could go back and rewatch again later. And I hope I hope that it's it's successful. I hope that it is definitely... I hope that it gets the, the credit that it deserves because it's trying something... In in this day and age, it's trying something very interesting by reviving this the subgenre that I think is inherently a pretty awful. And it, you wouldn't think that 2018 was the year that they would revive the rape revenge. Yeah, and I mean, genre. it's something that there's not really a, an overwhelming appetite for. I don't think. No, day, you know, so it's. But anything's possible now. Nothing makes sense anymore. The world's gone topsy-turvy. Yeah, there's no fucking rules anymore. All right, that is Revenge. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Kevin, I think we'll start with you this week. Okay. I finally saw that Call Me By Your Name. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. I thought it was so... It was... It was... For me, I had trouble with the that relationship i just had difficulty with it i found it unsettling to say the least um because of the age gap well the age gap to begin with and also i don't know if it's just um how he played the elio character and how that character was written but he came off much younger than what his age was supposed to be. So the age gap was even more so for me. Cause to me, he didn't feel like, I think what he's supposed to be 17. Yeah. 17. He didn't feel 17 to me. And Hmm. I didn't really see like army hammers character. It felt like this relationship was a bit too one-sided where Oliver didn't really, he just seemed to be 
he came out of the office like manipulating him and just getting what he wanted out of it, just the way that it progressed throughout. So I don't know, you know what I mean? I never really saw that like that romance there. Well, I think it, that's how I think that's how it did start. I don't know if he was necessarily manipulating him, but I think that the Elio character d- definitely was the one that became infatuated oh, yeah. first yeah. and was pursuing him at first. And I think that he, at first, the Army Hammer wasn't really receptive to to that, but eventually, no, and I, maybe not, maybe not. Uh, maybe manipulative isn't the right word, maybe more so like opportunistic because there is that one section where he's like, you know, we haven't done anything and, you know, I'm still, I haven't done anything bad. Yeah. And then he, you know, he kind of saw his opportunity, took it, and then was just kind of like, oh, we're done. And uh, like, I love the music. The locations were fantastic. I mean, oh, yeah. It's definitely an enjoyable movie to, to just sit back and watch because all the locations are just absolutely gorgeous and the music is pretty great. Um, also, I found Army Hammer's character just to be a little like flat. Like a, to me, there just wasn't much to him. Yeah. Um, uh, bland. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And I also realized that he, to me, he sounds exactly like John Hamm, which is weird. His voice. Yeah, he does. yeah it was yeah. just really weird. <laughs> I don't know why I've never like noticed that before. He does have sort of a John Ham tone. But, and, and then there's also these um uh like experimental thing like the first time this the Sufjan Stevens songs plays and the the like this wash of like green and blues goes over Chalamet's face. And it's like film stills. You can see like the side, like that. What the fuck was that? Why are you doing that? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. I mean, to me, it was okay. I didn't think it was, um, I didn't find it to be this, this grand work of cinema, but. For me, I thought it was okay until I, I feel like the, the conversation he had with his dad at the end and the 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 final the, shot yeah that, the final shot was perfect that was that was executed perfect those was, those two scenes are really what drove it home for me and made me I, like kind of fall in love with this movie i do like that you mentioned that the 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 discussion with his dad at the end because i did i found that i found it really really funny when he's like does mom know and he's like no i don't think she does and i'm just like i laughed out loud because i'm like she knew the entire fucking time. Of course, yeah, of course. Like what the fuck? I think I <laughs> think he was. I think he was just saying that. Of course, she knew. It was. It was clear. I don't that, think he knew. I think it was clear that that she knew, because it took him forever to find out, and she knew like right off the bat. Because every like every single time she talked to him or was discussing them, like she knew. She knew like right off. She knew like a day in. And it took a stool barge to like the end of the fucking movie. Yeah, he's just very lucky he had such a uh, an accepting, loving set of parents. Well, and it was, I just also found it kind of a bummer that he's like, I never had what you had. It's like, damn, saying that about like your wife's like in another room. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was just like a simple infatuation. Like what? I think he's maybe referring to the intensity of it. You know, this just how it came on so strong and then was gone in the blink of an eye. And I don't know. Uh, I I really enjoyed that. This is a movie that um, the longer the longer I sort of processed it and thought about it, it was a movie that stuck with me for for a while. And I enjoyed. I enjoyed it more and more as time went by. Yeah. I've been meaning to revisit it actually. Cause it's, uh, I mean that, like you said, the locations in the music alone, I think warrant uh, a rewatch. They, they help out a lot. Go to Italy. That's, I think that's the, the moral of that story is go, go visit Italy during, was- during the summer and just 
have the most relaxing experience of your life. All right, so that's Call Me By Your Name. I saw... I revisited the Critters series this weekend. Look at you. Yeah, so... I saw the Critters movies when I was very young. Uh, I don't know. I think I saw the first two. My dad was a big fan of Critters 2 for some reason. And uh, I just wanted to revisit this this series. Because it had been years and years and years. So I watched all four of them. They start off decent. Like the the first two Critters movies are... They're okay. They're They're pretty much... The first two are pretty much the same. Um, it's just about these alien, these little furball alien things that come down to Earth and start eating people, and they they grow in size as they eat people and animals and things. And it's just up to these these uh, this family to defend themselves against these alien creatures. It's it's a Gremlins ripoff, is what it is, and. The the one thing I forgot is that there are these like alien bounty hunters that come down to to help kill off the the critters. In the third one, the third one takes place in the city. Uh, they they end up some eggs end up getting transported somehow. <laughs> they, somehow they attach themselves. They attach themselves to this RV and end up in the city. And then the critters are let loose in an apartment building in LA. Oh, watch out. And the the third one actually stars Leonardo DiCaprio. It's his first movie. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh that one's all right, I guess. There was there's really nothing special about it. It's pretty pretty bland and forgettable other than Leo being in there. And then the fourth one is takes place in space. Of course you gotta have one yes. take place. Gotta have it take place in space. Space so, is the place. Yeah, the f- the fourth one is like on this space station. Uh, basically, what happens is at the end uh, of the third one, the one bounty hunter guy finds like the last two or three eggs or whatever on Earth, and he was right when he's about to destroy him, he gets a message saying like these are the last ones. It's like against intergalactic law or whatever to allow a species to go extinct so we're going to send down a pod and you put them in the pod and send them back up and we're going to preserve them so they send down the pod and this guy's like he was in all all of the critters movies he's in all four of them and he's just this kind of like i'd call him a simple jack character if you remember ben stiller's character from tropic thunder he's like simple he's like simple jack he looks like simple jack he's kind of a a goof. He's like kind of dumb, a dummy, but he ends up turning into one of these bounty hunters. And instead of putting the eggs in, he puts the eggs in, but then he also sort of traps himself into the pod and gets jettisoned oh, no. out into space. Oh no. And he goes into like this cryo sleep and he's asleep for 50 some years. And then this, these, this crew of, uh, I don't know if they're like smugglers or whatever the fuck they are. They come, they pick him up and end up taking him to to this other larger space station and thaw him out. And the eggs hatch, of course, and start to wreak havoc on the space station. The fourth one actually stars Angela Bassett and Brad Dorif. Oh, hell yeah. So got some star power in, in the in that one too and actually Angela Bassett's really great in it even though it was an early role for her she was still fantastic overall the fourth one is probably uh, yeah it's probably the worst one out of all oh, of them but it sounds pretty awesome actually the fourth one's more like an aliens ripoff uh, okay they're just but, trying to rip off every everything yeah pretty much pretty much so, critters, <laughs> it's an okay creature feature. I like the uh, the design of the critters. They have these, so like they roll, they like turn into a little ball and they roll around real fast. And they can, they have these spikes that they can shoot out, like these quills that they can mm-hmm. actually, sh- they can actually shoot. And they have this like venom in them that make you feel loopy and pass out. <laughs> 
Now, I like the design work on the critters. It's actually the same guys that did uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Okay. And the design work from for those creatures. And I, actually, it's the whenever The Simpsons does stop motion stuff, it's the same team behind that. Oh, okay. So really, uh, it's like three brothers. I can't. Chicolo, the Chicolo brothers, I believe their name is. No. Yeah. Uh, really talented team behind that, but yeah, critters. It's kind of fun, so maybe maybe check it out. I might, I might have to, because that actually does sound pretty uh, entertaining. Maybe the first one. I mean, maybe just dip I'm your do toes the first, in the first one, one and then skip to the space one. If just you've ever two and three. If you've ever seen that show, The Orville on Fox, uh, the the one guy that's that's on the crew of The Orville was the the main kid in the first two Critters movies. Okay, all right. Uh, I saw uh, Fail to Appear. This is currently available on Mubi.com. 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 Um, this is, I'm finding myself getting really into this type of film, which this is a very, uh, economical film. Um, simple scenes, not too much dialogue, really steeped in like a realism, um, only running at 70 minutes, you know, just really small scale type deal. And it's just Darrell Campbell plays a, a caseworker in Toronto and she's kind of like new to the job. So like towards the beginning, it's just her kind of like meeting with her clients and stuff and trying to get a feel for the job and she's taking notes and she's trying to get as much info as possible to do a good job. And, you know, she's talking with her, with her coworkers and stuff. And then it's all like a build up to, her one client is getting out of jail and she's trying to set all this up and trying to be like the support for him when he gets out. So it's just, it's really simple. Like I said, really small scale. Um, and it's something that I'm finding really enjoyable with films where I, I just, I really, really like these really um, small movies, just dealing with regular people trying and just like focusing on their humanity like this you know what i mean like that yeah i like that too but like the last two years i think or maybe three years i've just been really tuned into those movies and this one's a great one and what was the name of that one again fail to appear i'm gonna check that out if you have movie definitely i saw jawbreaker from 1999 Jawbreaker. Yeah, this is directed by Darren Stein. It's the one with uh, Rose McGowan, Julie Benz, Rebecca Gayhart. Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah, yeah. Pam Greer and Judy Greer in there too. Early roles for uh, Judy Greer. Yeah. So this is uh, about a. I mean, this is such a '90s movie. I, I kind of loved it. It's uh, it's about these three popular girls in high school who set off to do a birthday prank on one of their friends, but things go wrong and the girl dies and they cover up the, the death by, um, by making it look like she was raped and killed. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) It's. Kind of I didn't know that. I didn't know that Drawbreaker was that serious. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a dark comedy for sure. Very dark. The uh, the editing is very odd in this. They 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 like they put in weird sound effects sometimes to make it kind of more goofy. And I don't know if that necessarily works because they don't do it a lot. But it's just like every now and then they'll put in like a weird sound effect, and then the. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird, it's tonally, it's just a strange, it's a strange watch. Everything is very bright 
colors and pinks and it just screams 90s all over it and I enjoyed it. It was it was okay. It wasn't anything amazing, but this is one that I remember when it when it came out I just had no interest in it at all. But going back and revisiting it, I'm I'm glad that I watched it now and not back then because if I saw it in 1999 I probably wouldn't like it at all. But going yeah. back now and I think that that I'm I'm going to be revisiting a lot of 90s movies soon very soon for an upcoming project and i think that i'm gonna find that with a lot of things where maybe movies that i didn't even like back then i now have a greater appreciation for just for the 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 time capsule factor you know the nostalgia of it also i don't think you like during the 90s you didn't have that knowledge right yeah you have now you're going to be seeing things in a different. Oh yeah. Different I mean, viewpoint. that's, yeah, that's definitely true because for most of the nineties, I was not you just, heavily. You wanted, no, you just wanted entertainment. Yeah. I wasn't heavily into movies. I would say I was more of a movie buff than most people our age, but I was not obsessed with, you know, the craft like yeah. I am now, maybe, maybe towards, Maybe towards the late 90s is when we started getting more into it. Probably not, though. I, I think that we really didn't, you and I really didn't take a deep dive into into cinema until probably the early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, because even like the 90s for me, like I didn't really watch that many movies. That wasn't a thing that our family did. Yeah. Hmm. There's only a couple. And something popped up on TV, but it was usually watching those Lifetime movies with my mom. Oh, God. That's all she watched. That and we, she had two VHSs. That was Roadhouse and Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Swayze fan? <laughs> Big time Swayze fan. Oh, boy. And fucking Heat of the Night, Bubba. Heat of the Night. That's, that's what we watched. Maybe you need to revisit some of these 90s. It's classic 90s <laughs> movies. Especially Roadhouse. I still, man, that movie's fucking awesome. I'm sorry. I, I think Roadhouse is, Roadhouse is 80s though, isn't it? Is it? Is it yeah. 80s? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, Roadhouse is definitely 80s. I love Roadhouse though. Oh yeah, right on the cusp, 89. Yeah. 89 was a great year. That was a great year for movies. Holy crap. There were so many great movies that came out in 89. Anyway, Jawbreaker, eh, maybe worth a light recommend. Uh, by the way, I saw that on Shutter, so it's available on Shutter. Okay, cool. That's all I got. All right. Uh, let's see what else do I have here. I saw Freaked from 1993. This is directed by Alex Winter and Tom Stern. This is a movie that has a sort of a backstory for me. So I remember when I was young, I loved Bill and Ted. I love the Bill and Ted movies so much. I was such a huge Bill and Ted fanboy. And when I was little, I saw a, an interview with Alex Winter. I think it was on like a, it was on some sort of talk show and he was talking about this movie freaked and they had, they played a clip as they typically do in talk shows. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to see that movie. It looks so great. And it only got a limited release. It never came out uh, in, in any kind of wide release at all. So I didn't get a chance to see it when I was younger and over the years, I never forgot about this movie Freaked. And every time I would go to the video store, I would just I would look to see if they had it, and they never did. I don't think it got any kind of decent home home release until many, many, many years later when it uh, came out on, on DVD. Well, decades later, I now can say that I saw Freaked from 1993. Nice. And it is... Oh boy, is it, man, it is a, it is definitely a product of its time. There is so much like weird uh, prosthetics happening here. It's a very gross movie. There's lots of slime in it and mutants. And it's sort of a, a, a statement on genetic testing and waste and. Yeah, I'm looking at. This and it looks amazing. 
Mr. T's in it and he plays the bearded woman. So the the whole premise is Alex Winter plays this movie star who gets hired by this like uh, chemical pharmaceutical company to promote this uh, this this chemical that they are working on, even though everybody says that it's like really dangerous for the environment and it's dangerous to people, it's toxic and all this stuff. And he agrees to do it. And as he is headed to, I think it's in Mexico, um, where he's going to be doing this, this like ad campaign for them. He, he and his best friend and this uh, protester that they meet end up going to this freak show that's sort of out in the middle of nowhere that's run by Randy Quaid. And yes, Randy Quaid turns out to be evil and he traps them and actually has a bunch of this chemical and dumps it onto them, turning them into uh, freaks. So it, yes. it deforms Alex Winter into like this sort of half human, half monster thing. And then for the, for his best friend and the protester, it fuses them together. So they're like, their bodies are like fused into one. Okay. And Alex Winter has to team up with all the other people that were mutated and have an uprising and overthrow Randy Quaid, who's keeping them held prisoner and forcing them to act in this freak show. It's ridiculous. Like there's like one person that turned into like a cow. So he's like a cowboy and get it. And Bobcat Goldthwaite plays this sock puppet character. It is, uh, it is so over the top and goofy and a lot of it's the, not. a lot of it, it just super lowbrow humor, almost, almost at like airplane levels of mm -hmm. goofball, but a lot of it just doesn't work on the same level as mm -hmm. one of those, uh, one of those films. It's still sort of enjoyable. Nonetheless. It is very gross. I'll say that. Like kind of weird gross out stuff in it. But uh yeah, maybe maybe a worth a light recommend. Freaked. Certainly yeah. again, certainly a product of its time. <laughs> yes, it does look that way. Uh that's really all I will mention. Oh, you know what? I'll I'll mention this other one just because it's uh coming out on Blu-ray soon. It's called Smash Palace and it's directed by Roger Donaldson. Uh, I recently talked about another one of the uh, Donaldson movies with um, Sleeping Dogs from 1977. Actually, I don't know if I mentioned that on the show. Now that I think back with Sam Neill. Uh, mm. I covered that movie. I have a review for that up. Arrow put out a Blu-ray of that. And they're going to be putting out a, in a couple weeks a Blu-ray for Smash Palace from 1982. So this is sort of this uh Australian take on um on Kramer versus Kramer basically so it's it's about a couple whose marriage is falling apart she leaves him and they have a they have a daughter and he sort of he has a, a series of unfortunate things happen to him which sort of make him go nuts and he eventually kidnaps the daughter and sort of holds her hostage i guess uh but it's it's a pretty decent film it stars bruno lawrence and he's absolutely fantastic in it uh but other than that it's it's like an it's okay watch it's not nearly as thrilling as i sort of imagined and i'm sorry it's new zealand not australia mm. but yeah it's 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 all right, I guess. I'll have a review for that up uh, shortly. The Blu-ray's uh, decent as well. It's got like this making of and stuff. But yeah, maybe Smash Palace. I'd give a light recommend. He owns a, a junkyard called Smash Palace. That's why it, it's got the name. And he's also a race car driver, which lends itself to some of the more interesting shots in the movie. Uh, there's like this there's a few racing shots where they like mount the camera on the back of the race car. 
And yeah. it's sort of it's sort of like an F1, like an IndyCar style race car, not not like a stock car or anything. So they drive super fast and they're driving through like country roads, like dirt roads and shit in this F1 car. And yes. they drive so fast. And it, I mean, it was like pretty impressive. Whoever was behind the wheel of that car, because it looks really cool. And the sequences are very long. The driving sequence is like almost too long, but <laughs> they're, they're still pretty cool nonetheless. So that's Smash Palace. Let's move on and talk about some new releases. We got a big one this week. Deadpool 2 is coming out. I'm very excited for Deadpool 2. I liked Deadpool 1. I didn't love it. I thought it was it was fine. A lot of the humor just didn't really land for me. I felt the humor sort of felt dated to me like um I don't know. It felt like early South Park style humor where it's like, "Oh, he's he's swearing. He's got a foul mouth. He's making like innuendo." Lots of innuendo, and I don't know. At, at any rate, this one looks uh, a lot better to me. I heard that it is better than the first one. And again, I, I liked the first one. I just didn't love it as much as some people. I like that the character of Cable is in this one. He was always one of my favorite uh, X-Men universe characters with Josh Brolin playing Cable. And uh, I like I, I like that... Uh, the character of Domino is in this because I was a big fan of that character. And um, the uh, Zazie Beats is playing Domino from Atlanta. And I love her in Atlanta. So very excited for that. And then also the uh, the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People, Julian Dennison. Yes. yes. He is in it. And yes. he, he plays uh, like a superpowered kid yes so i'm very excited about that too so there's a lot lot to be excited for with this movie it looks bigger in every way than the first one so yeah i'm pretty excited for deadpool too what do you think you might give this a look when it comes out on vod maybe i might it does sound interesting with the people you're naming off there yeah uh let's see what else we have book club yes about, uh that's the one with uh, like Diane Keaton and Candace Bergen and Mary Steenburgen. They, I guess, have a book club and they read Fifty Shades of Grey and it changes their lives or whatever. Wow, wonderful! It looks really, really rough. Um, really rough. We have a movie called Dark Crimes, starring Jim Carrey, coming out. Never heard of this. It's got a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes currently with eight reviews. Jim Carrey commands the screen in this spellbinding thriller from executive producers of The Revenant and Black Mass. Mm. Looks like Jim Carrey finds similarities between an unsolved murder and a crime outlined in a book. Oh, yeah. This is the one where he plays. He doesn't play an American. Like he plays a Polish guy or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about this three years ago. It's finally yeah. now coming out. <laughs> oh, uh, really? Apparently, it's uh, it's not very good. So I don't know. Maybe avoid that one. We also have First Reformed coming out. This is the Paul Schrader movie with uh, Ethan Hawke. He plays a uh, a pastor. Oh yeah, this is supposed to be pretty good. I'm slightly interested in this one. See what else we got here. On Chesil Beach coming out. Sir Ronan in that. Got a movie called Show Dogs. Family uh yes. family comedy there. Movie called Solar's Point. Oh yeah, the new uh Matthew. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Interested in that. We got uh Jim, it's got Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi's in it. Jim Belushi. He was great in Twin Peaks. Got Pope Francis, a man of his word. This is that behind the scenes doc of the Pope. I'm actually kind of interested in that. I don't know like how how deep they're gonna go, but I, I'm just interested in his day to day life, like a you know like a behind the scenes. I think it'd be interesting. I'm sure that this documentary doesn't do it, but I think it'd be cool if like they just followed him on a, just a normal day, you know. 
like getting up out of they yeah. start they start with him getting out of bed and they just follow him through his daily routine like taking a shower getting dressed eating breakfast just a regular day with the pope i think that'd be fascinating it would be interesting to see what he does in his you know the mundane stuff exactly i don't know if this is that documentary i don't think it is i think I this i think this is just more of like an interview with him asking him a lot of questions and stuff gotcha. still still though i feel like this is i feel like he's giving way more access than any other pope that we've seen before yeah i think correct on that front that's pretty much it. Looks like a horror movie called The Hollow Child, which I'm not really familiar with, and then a movie called Saving Brinton, which is a documentary that the cover looks suspiciously like uh, the Florida Project. Okay. And that's pretty much it for theaters. Let's take a look at uh, what we got on the old VOD. On the 15th, we got Coming to My Senses, which is a, that's a documentary. We got Steven Tyler out on a limb. This is a, this is a documentary about Steven Tyler going out of his comfort zone and making a country album. Then we got a horror movie called Grey Matter. I think it's about aliens. Island Zero. Landing Up, which is a uh, sort of a, a dramatic comedy about homelessness, I think. And then on the Friday the 18th, we got Cargo on Netflix. That's the one, that's the zombie one with uh, Martin Freeman. Oh, yeah. I'd give that a look. I'd recommend that one. Uh, and That Summer, which I think is a documentary about uh, uh, Grey Gardens. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that looks like that's about it for VOD on Blu-ray. Coming up this week, we got Black Panther. That's the biggie. I'm sure that you've already all seen Black Panther, but uh, from what I understand, it's the Blu-ray is just loaded up with special features, so it might be worth a look. Uh, Die Hard's getting a 4K release, so get, get your Die Hard fix in 4K. Yeah, the, yeah. Looks like The Wizard from 1989 is getting a new Blu-ray version. I don't know pretty sure this was already released on blu-ray so i don't know what Why makes this again? one special but yeah uh arrow is releasing the bloodthirsty trilogy from which is uh 1970 to 74 i'm not familiar with that trilogy at all so might have to give that a look uh let's see what else rick and morty season three i don't normally mention tv but I think Rick and Morty is deserving of uh, a mention here because it's a pretty great show and it got picked up for 70 more episodes. They just, they announced that earlier this week, 70 more episodes. So we're going to get lots of Rick and Morty. The only thing that's kind of sucks is it's probably going to take like 10 years for them to make those 70 episodes. Yeah. But you know what? We can wait. We can all wait for it. Because sometimes it takes a long time to make something great. True. I would rather have them put out like six episodes here and then a year and then another six or something like that than just have them shit out 70 episodes and have them be crappy. I hope they tomorrow they release all 70. That'd be funny. If they, they if they actually like... Drunk. It was all part of the plan. Like they, they had like all 70 episodes in the can already. They're all crudely drawn. <laughs> oh boy Arrow's releasing 2000 Maniacs on Blu-ray I'll have a review for this one coming out probably shortly after this airs um, The this Blu-ray also contains which they don't say like anywhere on the cover but it also contains uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's film that he made right after this which is called um, Moonshine Mountain and the it's not a great transfer. I think that they attempted to do some sort of restoration on both of these movies. The 2000 Maniacs one is um, I mentioned this last week, but I'll just briefly mention it again. It's they use the something weird video restoration and it's very 
it's just not great. But from what I understand, this is the best version of 2000 Maniacs available. So if you're into Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff, uh, definitely pick this one up. It, it's got a bunch of uh, bonus features and stuff like the ma- uh, like making of type stuff uh, as well. And then with Moonshine Mountain, I don't know if that movie's ever been available. So maybe worth picking it up. That one's a little weird. That one's sort of just like, <laughs> it almost feels like a musical. Like there's just nothing but m- these kind of musical numbers in it. It's very strange. Hmm. But it's it's still a good uh, collection to pick up from Arrow. Uh, let's see what else we have. That's pretty much it. What is coming out on Criterion this week? We have one Criterion, and that is Aki Karasmahi's The Other Side of Hope from 2017. Getting the Blu-ray. Very nice. Yeah. Got a new video essay, a new interview with the actor. Yeah, from a press conference. I'm a fan of that uh, cover too. Great cover. I want to see it just because I want to. I want to see the dog in action. Looks like a Jack Russell. I know, and he looks he looks delightful. Yeah, he does. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.